My name is Melanie Zilsner from Tripod Business Services, and you're listening to the SME Stories. You are now listening to the next great small business podcast. Welcome to the SME Stories podcast, where it is all about small businesses in Canada. And here's your host, Ken Alfred. Hey, everybody. Everybody, we got a great show today with Melanie Zeltner from Tripod Business Services. Now, Tripod Business Services is a content strategist and copywriting firm. Now, Tripod began back in 2017 with one mission to support entrepreneurs to build their online presence and with great copy and great results. Melanie's goal with starting Tripod Business Services is basically to help entrepreneurs grow their online presence with killer content that engages that engages and converts leads. Now, I think what makes her really good is that she loves to learn and she always loves to see others succeed. So Melanie has a four-year-old and apparently she also loves dancing in the kitchen. So I think we got a great story here. So sit back and absorb. All right. We have Mel from Tripod Business Services. So Mel, how are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Glad, glad you're here. So I don't know how, how is everything with you? Everything's good? Everything's good. I'm going through a move right now, but otherwise everything's great. Congratulations on the move. So did you get something bigger like a mansion or you upgraded a bit or how does it work? <laughs> upgraded a bit, not a mansion. But uh, a mansion would just be more to clean. So I'm happy with where I am. Have you closed on it yet? When are you? So you've moved in already? Is that right? We haven't moved in yet. So we close um, the beginning of next month. Nice. And is it, she said it's a little bigger. So are we talking like a four bedroom, four bathroom kind of thing or five bedroom? Three bedroom, um, three bedroom. It's got a nice yard. So I have a five-year-old son. So the yard is going to be well used. Well, Excellent. Cooked. No, that, that that's great. Yeah. I mean, I remember we first bought our place here and, you know, we got it originally. And I'll, I know I was going to start in a second, but I'll tell this quick story here. Do you know why I moved into this house right now? And I know the only Mel can see me and the, the viewers can't really see me. Yeah. Do you know why I moved into this place? I'll tell you the, I'll tell you why. So we used to live in a place in Stouffville, Ontario, and it was a townhouse. It was a three bedroom, two and a half bath, you know, it's, it's nice. Right. So we had my daughter, right. And, uh, we were expecting my son, but before that, so it was just my, my, the three of us, my wife's, uh, my in-laws decided to stay with us from Hong Kong. And my brother and sister-in-law from Vancouver were also staying with us. And I think my young sister-in-law also was staying with us. So we had the master bedroom, of course. And then one of the other bedrooms, I believe the kids were in. Another bedroom was, I think, my my in-laws. And in the bay and the main floor, which has a pull-out sofa bed, was my brother and sister-in-law. So I remember waking up, and I'm an early riser. I don't know about you, but I'm an early riser. And everybody is still sleeping, right? So I, I go downstairs and our, our basement's not done yet, right? So it's just a concrete, you know, whatever. So I get to, I go downstairs. I'm trying to be very quiet and I pour myself a bowl of cereal. And then I look around, I'm like, where am I supposed to eat this? Right? Because <laughs> I have my brother and sister-in-law right in, you know, a few feet away from me sleeping. The kids are in the, one of my bedroom in one of the bedrooms, my other sister-in-law's and so my parents, sorry, my other, my parents was in the other bedroom. My wife is sleeping. I ended up going up to, uh, I guess, one of the bathrooms that we had in the house, put the toilet seat down and I was eating a bowl of cereal yeah. on the toilet seat. And I thought to myself, yeah, this is not right. <laughs> I, I, this, this is so weird. So that's how we started. That's why I think we bought this place and, you know, we haven't moved ever since. So congratulations on your new place. I can't wait to uh, you know, we're not going to ask for the address and we're not going to ask for any pictures, but uh, you never know. <laughs> so, all right, back to this now. Now we get to the real stuff here. So, all right, Tripod Business Services. What's your story? So it's, uh, I'm a content strategist and copywriter. So Tripod, I chose that name because a tripod for photography, it makes the images clear. And so for good content, good writing, that's what it does. It takes your big picture and makes it really clear to your audience. So that's what we do. Wow. And and so and how how long you've been running this uh, operation? Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah. So I started in 2017. <laughs> um 2017 and it's kind of evolved along the way, but where we are now is wow. 
where we are. Okay, excellent. So what made you get into content writing and and copywriting? What was it like? Has that been your training and your background? Or is it something you just kind of stumbled upon that you just found out you just really liked or you're really good at? More like that. So I've always loved writing. I've always been like we joke within my family that I'm like the vice president of words. But in high school, the the idea of writing was really limited to being an author or being a journalist. Right. And I didn't really connect with either of those. So then, you know, I went out into the corporate world. I was a legal assistant for a while, did different things. And then when I had my son, I started doing some virtual assistant work, which turned into a bit of blog writing, which turned into that. And it was just it opened up this world of like, I can write, I can do that creative part that I've always wanted to do. Um, but also connect all those business lessons that I've learned and all the professional technical side of things. So you saw there was a gap somewhere and you were able to take yeah. what you learned and start doing it. So, man, so you made the, you made the, uh, the risk or the jump in in 2017. Was, was it a specific time? Like, was there a specific instance where you said, you know, I, I'm kind of already doing this already, you know, whether it's for work or whatever. I'm like, yeah, let's come up with a name and do the whole thing. I think it was less of a moment. Like I didn't have a cereal on the toilet bowl moment. <laughs> Put it on a t-shirt, cereal on a toilet bowl. That's what I'm going to say. Yeah, oh, go ahead. That's the moment. Uh, <laughs> it was more of an evolution because there is kind of a vulnerability of putting yourself out there in that way. So when I would see people, you know, what are you doing now? Oh, we do this bit of that. Like, oh, I'm doing some freelancing. Like I didn't, um, it took me a while to own it. And so it wasn't, it was less of a moment and more of these little baby steps where you get more comfortable kind of walking into a room and being, you know, I'm Mel, I'm a content strategist and copywriter. Yeah, no, and that's this is my business. And that's business. Yeah. And that's what I find funny about like how I've, like this whole thing. Now you started before the pandemic, you know, my podcast started during the pandemic and it was by accident. Like I said, it was something that I stumbled upon. It wasn't something I was, uh, planning on doing actually and some listeners may be surprised about that but i actually uh was one of my gigs that i was doing was website and mobile testing and one of the requirements was they wanted something with good audio so i said okay invest in like a microphone and of course then i went overboard and i got a better microphone i got a mixer and all this sort of stuff because i wanted uh whoever the client was to hear what my thoughts were about when i'm testing this product and then i thought about i'm like what else could i do with this stuff Right. And then for some reason, someone said podcasting. And I'm like, I don't know about it. What am I going to talk about? Mm -hmm. Because I'm going to really love to pick your brain on this, Mel, being the content strategist. Right. Because I kept thinking there's I don't know what else to talk about. I don't know how to plan this stuff because you've seen people on social media that post stuff almost every single day. And I'm like, how how do they come up with all that stuff to do? Yeah, they have a team. Right. So it was just me at the time. Right. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to do so. I thought, okay, well, I don't even know what I'm going to write up, talk about, right? I'm going to talk mm-hmm. about what? The new trends in baking? I don't know, because I'm just starting to do this whole thing, right? And then I, I'm just watching the news, which I try not to watch anymore, is that, you know, all, you hear all these stories during the pandemic of all these businesses getting, you know, shut down after so many years. And, and I'm thinking, man, it sucks that some of these people, and a lot of these businesses are following the rules that everyone's telling them, and they're still shutting down. So I'm like, Let's hear some of their stories, right? It doesn't have to be all shutdown stuff, but how are they adjusting during it? And that's how this kind of thing happens. So it's very interesting how you, how you talked about stuff like that. So, all right. So how big is your current team right now, Mel? Uh, so it's, we're three of us. Um, so it's me, a more junior writer, and then I have my own VA who helps me stay organized. <laughs> so you know exactly how to hire the VA. Because is that, would you recommend, like for a lot of small business owners, is that maybe like, the first person you potentially hire, and what what it, define the what what define what they do for the listeners who've never heard of this before. What is really anything, right? The idea of a virtual assistant is taking things off your plate because when you're an entrepreneur, you're everything. You're the CFO, you're the CEO, you're the person grabbing coffee, and it's it's fine because you're starting. But at a certain point, that's not the best use of your time or your talents. You know what I mean? Like you could be growing your business by making that investment of somebody handling the background details of, you know, sending follow-up emails, um, doing some of your billing, some of your social media posting, like just taking those things off your plate because because you don't need 
to be the person doing it. But I understand that in a way that it's as you, your business is your baby, right? So it's so hard to let go of that part, but it's the best, best, best thing you could do. Yeah. And I think that's something that, uh, like I said, that's probably the first person you should hire just because of, like you said, we're the chief bottle washer, we're the chief cook, chief electrician, basically. And there's only so much time during the day. And especially if you have like a family or loved ones or anything, you're working, you're juggling many balls in the air. So having that virtual assistant there, and they don't have to be in, you know, they don't have to be on site. Like you can work with someone online. I know there's a lot of VA service you can go. I know Fiverr has, you know, a lot of people offering VA services and they're from overseas. But in terms of, like you said, taking some of the, the tasks off your plate so you can actually focus on growing your business as opposed to working in the business for a lot of people, what they like to say. So no, that, that's great. There's, there's a lot of stuff too, that it's like, you can do it, but it takes you so much longer because it's not your thing. Like for me, it's the the social media graphics, like those little Canva yes. graphics. I can do it, but it's not my thing. So it takes me forever. Whereas for my VA, that is her thing. So she just, you know, whips them out. Well, yeah. And, and the same thing too, because I mean, I've like, once we finish recording, like we're recording this right now in August and this probably won't be out till a little bit later on. But, you know, I've had, I think all I have, I've bashed a bunch of episodes already. I have like over 40. Right. And I just released episode 30 just this week, actually. So we have some stuff ahead of time. And the one thing I really don't what I did not take into account, how much time it takes to actually edit an episode, which is brutal because you start to if I might have to re-release some of the old episodes because I tried to do so much editing on my early stuff that you could almost hear. Maybe I can hear it and some other people could. You can hear all the little cuts that I was making to every single word that I was doing. Because if I, here's the thing I like to say a lot of, uh, you know, do you know how many times I say, you know, a lot? Because I had my daughter listen to this and I said, how, how many times daddy says, you know, and she listened for 40 seconds. She's like, daddy, seven. And I was like, seven. <laughs> right. So I'm trying consciously not to use it, but then I was always trying to cut everything out. It just sounded horrible. Nowadays, I don't edit that much for it. I actually hire uh, an editor and they will edit my episodes for me. So it's a little bit easier. It's also advantageous so I can actually be with the family more because, you know, the kids always ask me, dad, are you trying to be famous? I said, I don't know what that means. I'm like, but, you know, do you want to be that? I'm like, no, but... This is where this is where it is. So it's back to yourself here uh, right now. So what are your for your sales and growth strategies? How much do you, are you expecting this year and maybe in the future as well? Number ones. As much as you're comfortable giving. Or, Either or. Yeah, no, no. <laughs> I'm going to make you say it to the cent. Right? You have to say it to the cent. We're on to the nearest penny there. Like a jillion dollars. No, in terms of um, sales and growth, where so my my junior writer is new to the team, so that's opening up a lot of opportunity um, in that way. And then another thing I'm working on for the remainder of this year is going to be kind of a content membership that people can join um, where it's you're at that beginning point in your business where you're not going to be paying someone to write your content. You're not at that level yet, but because you are, you are your business and you know so much and you have all that, just something where it's a membership that a keeps you accountable because being consistent with content is so important and it's the hardest part and having that structure to help you keep your content manageable for your audience because I find a lot of entrepreneurs especially new ones are so desperate to show that I know what I'm talking about and they give away the farm or they get way too technical so that's what I'm working on for the remainder of the year is to have something that um, helps people get comfortable and build a really good content foundation. Wow. So that's going to be interesting to see how that's going to grow. So you're slowly adding people, which is good. Um, have you thought of like, so are these people actually like employees, or are they contractors? They're contractors. They're contractors. Yeah. Okay. And you're going to keep it that way at least until you have some type of stability in the, or at least you have the certain type of whether revenue projections and stuff like that. So before you bring it out, or do you prefer to keep it contracting? A bit of both. Um, one of my contractors is not in Canada, so that adds a whole other tax employment 
side of things. Mm. So I don't want to get into that until I have the headspace to really understand what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I think eventually I'll have like a payroll, like people actually on the payroll, but right now contractors fine. Yeah. And I, I think people shouldn't rush to get into it because once you start bringing people on, if you're putting on like an actual employee, there's so much more responsibility you have as an owner in terms of, like you said, insurance and taxes and yeah you know i don't know wsib stuff i don't know if there's it may not be applying to much to us here who work at home but worst injury is like a paper cut worst injury is a paper cut that is true but they can call you on it if you if they for some reason they get it if you're an employee if they're an employee you never know right so i don't know if that counts that but you know we're not legal we're not labor experts so we have no clue what that is so, yeah well well we'll no so i think i want to get to the point where i would understand that a little more clearly and yeah, <laughs> uh, exactly. So what is your big vision that you see like in the next five years that like you said you started to add people having and also like this uh, thing where people can sign up for and they're more accountable to it? What is your big picture for that? Hey, do you need an error free website? Do you need transcription that's accurate and on time? Would you like to remove noise from your video or audio recording? Do you need a spokesperson for your business? If so, we can help. At Northway Capital Group, we are happy to announce that we are now providing website testing services, audio transcriptions, and audio cleanup, as well as spokesperson services. We would love to help you on your next project. Contact us for more information at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. So big vision is I would like to grow that community. That's something like I'm really passionate about. And it kind of ties in with what you were saying about how many businesses shut down. There's so many people that I talk to that have these great businesses and great ideas that nobody's heard of them. Whether it's like a mindset thing that they're not putting the content out because they're afraid of sounding stupid or there's just not the know-how of how to do it. And it just, it hurts me physically that these people aren't online celebrities <laughs> because they should be. Because what they're bringing into the world is so special and so wonderful. So I'm really passionate about building that community and really giving people that kind of opportunity to have that business and that visibility. Um, and then on my own personal side, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. We should talk about that later. I'd love to see you right on that. Absolutely. Um, and having more on my side of things, kind of growing that content strategy and um, working with bigger clients in that arena. Nice. Nice. Excellent. So. Yeah. Oh, man. So now for this is now going to be questions about like what people don't normally know about copywriting and content strategy stuff. So what do you find are your biggest kind of expenses that uh, someone trying to get into this space doesn't realize? Oh, that is a good question. That's what you do as a podcaster there, Belle. Hard hitting journalism. <laughs> what are you in? What, what's your name? <laughs> Go ahead. I think the biggest expense, and I don't know if it's me. As a course junkie, I think it's the, there's so many things out there that it's like, oh, learn how to do this very specific niche thing and take this course and, oh, this business coaching. Oh, this, like, there's so many things being sold to you that it's very easy to let it get away from you. And then you're like, oh, no, my business is not making money because I need this shiny new thing. And it doesn't have to be that complicated. <laughs> yeah, well, I hear it. It's like, you, you know, let's say you go to, let's say, a Udemy or any of those type of learning platforms. They're like, special sale, courses only $20. And, you know, you, you go in, you, you say, oh, I'm going to sign up for all these courses. Oh, I don't do Instagram. I should do Instagram. Oh, there's TikTok. Okay, maybe there's a course for TikTok. And there, there's $20 here, $20 there. And some of the courses could be, you know, two to four hours long. So you you sign all, you you, you get all these things. That's what I'm, I used to be guilty of. I would download these courses, pay for it, invest in it. And I have so much time. I have, I have a hard time trying to find time to actually yeah. listen to the course, absorb it, and apply it. So then you're just like, mm -hmm. oh, man, that's why you start to lean on, okay, maybe instead of paying all these dollars, maybe I should just, you know, worked with someone who's, that's their specialty. And, you know, instead of paying a hundred bucks on these courses, I could just pay a hundred bucks to someone who can at least get me started sure. you know, for that. Yeah. Interesting. So the courses and all that stuff being thrown at you are the biggest ones. And you'd think, like, I write sales copy. 
I should be a little more savvy at not being sold to. <laughs> <laughs> They're working, right? They're it's working. it's working. <laughs> so how about so. so how important is social media in your business? Now I tell people that this is not a social media podcast, but what how is it important to your business and what do you currently use? It's incredibly important. It's incredibly important, especially with something like this. It is so easy to wake up one morning and be like, I'm a content specialist. And, you know, say it out loud. Like it's it's an oversaturated market in some regards. And it's so easy to present yourself as an expert with no, no backing behind it. But there is this shift in marketing as a whole where we're becoming a little bit more jaded to that. And we're becoming a little bit more um, critical that we want to see this we want proof, you know, like I could wake up tomorrow and say, I'm a doctor, but I'm not a doctor. Right. So it, it, social media is so important um, because you, you have to have a way to establish your authority. You have to have a way to um, let people know that you're the person for them. And especially with copywriting, when you get into stuff, please cut me off if I'm going too long. Um, but with copywriting, you have that sense of style and you have to have that ability to capture somebody else's voice, that it's a personal connection too, right? So you need to have that social media to be, you know, who is Mel as a human being? Do I even want to work closely with her? Do I want to spend that time with her or am I just not the person for you? Which is okay. But you, you need social media to kind of um, to tell that story before anybody even contacts you. Yeah. And so which ones do you like to use for your business specifically? Yes. So I, I'm using Instagram quite a bit right now. I am recently, speaking of courses, I'm in the middle of a TikTok course Ooh. because of how big video marketing has gotten. And I joke with um, the person running it that like I built a career hiding behind a laptop, but I realize now that I might have to actually show my face. <laughs> but am I allowed to plug the course? Because it's actually been really good. Of course. Okay. I wasn't sure. Anyways, it's uh, Samantha Vlaskino, Vlaskino, sorry, uh, the TikTok coach. It's It's been a really good group coaching program. Um, she, she knows her stuff. She's really great. And so I've been finding that helpful. You know, TikTok's exploding and it's not just dancing teenagers anymore and i kind of have to get out there so yeah speaking <laughs> stay of tuned. Speak, stay tuned speaking <laughs> with this tiktok thing that you're talking about I, it's not even just on tiktok because they post it on like the facebook's and the instagrams as well which you know apparently for facebook for mel for you and me apparently we're old apparently young people don't use facebook anymore so i'm told that's what i'm told too yeah. i don't know if that's true or not i'm like okay Everyone's into the TikTok and the Instagram stuff. A moment recently where I faced my own mortality because I was writing for a younger brand and I had to like Google the slang like that's what kids use nowadays. (laughs) Um, And I died a little inside. (laughs) Well, you want want to embarrass your kids? Just try to talk like them and see what they say. I I have an eight and 10 year old and they're talking. I'm like, hey guys, why are you being so sus? And then they look at me and they're like, Dad, don't, don't, don't say don't, that. No, no, no. Cause I've already told them that I'm going to embarrass them as they're getting older. So that's, and I, yeah. and I made a promise to them for that. So no, that's, it's really My good. My son's five, so yeah. I'm still cool. You're okay for now. <laughs> Excellent. So now let's, let's talk about the whole industry. I know we touched a little bit on it. So what do you think the current state is? And I'm going to kind of break it down for the two things. The, I guess the content strategy industry or the copywriting industry, maybe a bit of both. Maybe just get your thoughts and where do you think the direction's going right now? I think the direction's going in a really nice place where there's a lot of focus on authenticity. And I really like that because it's not um it's not like the slap chop commercials or like the oxy guy, but wait, there's more. Like we're kind of moving away from that overtly sales idea to something where it's like people want to feel connected to the brands that they're working with. Um, They want to know if those brands have the same values as them. And even especially with COVID-19, we were so starved of personal connection that it's really kind of shifted how how content marketing um, plays out, where you want to see a human 
behind. You know, for example, I don't know, Ottawa Public Health has an amazing content team. I love their stuff. Look- Whoever they're hiring, they're not paying enough. Ottawa Public uh, Health? Really? Ottawa Public Health. I know you think it's very like... Some marketing company uh, or something, and you're thinking, that's the best one? I'm curious to see that. that. No, Ottawa Public Health. And what they did for part of it is they kind of developed this persona of Brian the intern. Hmm. And Brian the intern messed up on something, and they used it as a way to explain how you can determine information that's correct in the media and how to get correct information about COVID-19. And they did this really brilliant campaign around that where they created this person, Brian, and it just really clicked together. Um, but it's that it's, it's humanizing. No, I, I, experience. I definitely agree on that because just to, just to say that I did have a slap chop and I did have one of those, <laughs> and I use OxyClean for the laundry. So the, those things did work. I don't know if it's because I saw it on TV. Maybe it's because I did see it on TV. But I think you're right. I think for a lot of things nowadays is that we're not just buying into companies now. We're actually looking to see who is the person and do we know them, like them, trust them. And then the more people you – if you start to get comfortable with them, you're you're, you're more likely going to subscribe and you're more likely going to follow them and maybe invest on anything they do decide to sell, right, just because they have that – you know, you feel like maybe not they're talking to you directly, but they just sound like they know what they're talking about. And they're, they might have a little bit of a little sales thing near the end. But before that, they're trying to give you some nuggets or something to get you to buy into why you should, you know, follow me or whatever. Right. So. And it's um, it's not necessarily a new thing, but it's the idea of building a relationship. Right. Where you with content, you're playing the long game. Right. Like nobody's going to look at one post and be like, hey, here's a briefcase full of money. Like that's not, it's not realistic. That's not um, really. I don't know. I was disappointed too. <laughs> um, but there is that idea that you have this cold audience who doesn't know you, who doesn't know that they even have a problem that you're the solution for. And moving them forward on that, it's, it's, it's a customer journey, right? It's called the customer journey for a reason because it is a process. And so you kind of have to play that long game and not kind of quit before you get them to that point. Excellent. So so what do you think people misunderstand when you tell them you're a copywriter or you're a content strategist? What do the people, what's their first misunderstanding they might have? They say, oh, so you just write, you're like uh, those madmen, but you just come up with like little catchy things or what, what do you find? Yeah. Well, and I think, I think a big misunderstanding too is... Short writing is a lot harder to write. You know what I mean? So if it's writing a headline, you're spending 80 cents on the dollar on the headline. So even though it's only like eight words, those eight words have to be perfect (laughs) for everything else to flow after it. So I think there's a misconception of like, it's only like this much content. Why would it cost this much? And it's like, because it has to. It's not about the number of words. It's the value and the strategy behind eight words. Interesting. Yeah. Cause you know, I find it funny how you talk about that because and sorry, I try to bring this back here, but I'm just going to announce to some people here. I originally wanted to get into voiceover work, right? Cause I thought, Oh, that seems simple. You know, they're just reading the great voice. For it. I got that recorded now. So I now have someone saying that. Thank you, Mel. But <laughs> I had that. I was thinking of doing that. So I tried taking lessons and, you know, it was just really mm-hmm. tough for me to do. And that's why I got this equipment. Oh, maybe I'll do it. But the funny thing is I thought, oh, voiceover, that should be simple. Do you know how many voiceover artists and companies there are? A lot, right? And I've seen, and I've went to the Fivers and some of them are like charging really dirt cheap, right? Like five bucks. And I'm like, really? Could I do it for $5? Yeah, I, I could, but is that doesn't that seem really cheap for something like that but you know apparently they say that for a lot of the people who do voices like professionals they suggest going into like audiobook narration first mm. before that right and i'm thinking i can't i can barely read properly what do you mean i'm going to try to narrate this whole thing right and then this last thing i mentioned here cuz voices are really hard even though they're only like this many words but i was actually i'm actually going to break news to people i actually am now doing another podcast but also they wanted me to be kind of like a content creator slash, well, they say YouTuber, but it's just they're using my voice, mm-hmm. right? And they gave me a script and I'm starting to read it and I was going through it. Everything sounded great. 
And they, then you, then they thought, okay, let me see if I try to videotape myself doing this, like those content creator people do. You know how hard that actually is to try to record yourself on camera, you know, because mm-hmm. I can I can edit stuff audio wise, no problem. The minute you try doing that with video, then you're going to see a lot of head cuts and all, yeah. although those jump cuts you see, I'm like, it's a lot harder. But sorry, I just had to get on that little rant there for just like surprising. Oh, and it. You know? Surprisingly, I find there's a lot of things where it's like, wow, I thought that was going to be simple. Yeah, <laughs> and it was not. And it's not. So think about this now. So what, I always like to ask this to every guest here. So what has been, and I always, this is a two-part question. What has been your biggest failure, but also your biggest success so far running your business? So biggest failure. Oh, make me choose. <laughs> <laughs> I think. I think my biggest failure was for a long time, I was being small with my prices, being small with my ambitions, um, and it attracted small people, you know, and it created a lot of, you know, scope creep where it's like, oh, can you just do one more thing? Oh, can you just, and not setting those boundaries and... That was a big failure, and that was a big um, failure that took time to step away from. Um, so sorry, before you get to your success, so these are people too that these are these are clients that you know they sign up for one thing, and they're, they're, then they start yeah. to slowly add a little bit more that normally add. that you should be adding you should be additional fees to, but for some people they're just saying, well, you know, it's all, can you just do me a favor? Well, and it- because it never comes as, oh, can you do this one more big thing? It's like, oh, can you just do this tiny thing? And then like another just tiny thing tiny. and another. <laughs> but all those tiny things start to add up and you're spending so much time because you're so eager to please. You're so, you know. Um, so I found I found there was a lot of boundaries that I would set now that I didn't set when I was starting out. And that was a mistake. <laughs> no, but that's why I want people to hear this because I think for a lot of people listening to the show, they think, "Oh, we're only we're only going to hear about the good stuff that all these owners are doing because they're all like, super successful." No, I'm sure they want to hear the real stuff, right? They want to hear, "Okay, yes, as great as it can be, here's yeah. some things that you know that I went through that maybe you guys should be careful of because this could mm-hmm. happen for if you want to get into this particular space." So sorry. Well, and I think I think also for me, starting out as a virtual assistant it's a bit more of a yielding rule, right? Somebody else is calling all the shots. And so moving away from that and being like, oh no, as a service provider, this is how this is going to play out. Like taking a bit more authority and a bit more confidence in that, um, not doing that sooner, I think stunted my growth in a lot of ways. So what about your business success so far? Because to me, you're bringing people on. That means you, you're making good revenue, which means you're bringing people on. I mean, it's a good thing, right? Yeah. Biggest success. Um, a big success for me is just seeing seeing opportunities that my clients have had because of something I wrote is really cool. Um like for example, um, one of my clients, I she got approached to do an online magazine article, so I ghost wrote it, and it created this speaking opportunity for her. Blah blah blah. Like just watching that happen, and yeah, I'm just seeing those moments where it's like I wrote something, and somebody read it, and somebody did something. <laughs> wow! <I love> that. <laughs> no, that, that that's, that's great because. I think some people think that as a business owner, you're trying to take all the glory and that's all you have. But it's little things, right? Like, I, it's, I guess for me personally, I'll jump this back to me. Is I used to be a personal trainer, but I also used to teach uh, kickboxing, right? And when I used to teach kickboxing, you know, was I good? Was I a good uh, kickboxer? Yeah, I had a couple of offers to join fight teams to be on their competition level mm-hmm. thing. But I enjoyed actually working with students. I enjoyed seeing someone... Who can't, who's never thrown a punch before, now they're throwing it. Someone who's never done a push-up, now they can do 10. So I get more of a joy out of seeing them succeed versus, you know, I don't get a rush out of, you know, kicking somebody in the leg really hard or knocking someone down. That's that, that's not my thing. Sorry. No, that's okay. It's being a weird thing. A lot of these notifications, that's all right. But yeah, no, but that's that's great how you love to see your clients succeed. And that's, that's what drives it to you. It's not about having... 
500 clients and you don't even know. It's like that Jerry Maguire thing. I don't know if maybe I'm dating. Maybe we're dating ourselves. I don't know if people know what Jerry Maguire is. <laughs> really good Tom Cruise movie where he plays an agent. And he's it's the quality over quantity. Because I guess people think of agents or sports agents, entertainment agents, that they're, they're all about grabbing the next client. So you had a, a contrast. You had Tom Cruise's enemy who was signing up all these different clients, maybe like 50, 60 clients. He only had one, Tom Cruise's character. Mm -hmm. And the success he got from that was quality over quantity. That one client named him, and then I'm sure probably big business happened for that. But I think that that's a great thing that you just talked about there. Now it's time for tips from the pro. So, all right. So now we're going to go into our tips from the pro segment here. So these, these questions, Mel, are ones where aspiring copywriters or content strategy people want to know, okay, I want to get into this space. What should I do? Okay. So, all right. Question one, in the beginning, Mel, if you, in, if you were to go back to when you first started, what are some profitable smaller niches in your space that you think that uh, more people can capitalize on, especially in the beginning? Mm. Email marketing. Email marketing. Email marketing is huge. A lot of people need it. Yes. So I think you can do really well with that. Um, also, in the beginning, partnering. I know that was like one thing, and I'm not being quick. It's okay. Um, partnering with agencies and subcontracting for them, they'll always need writers on their teams. So it's letting you see how they deal with their clients and kind of giving you that that access. We have a small business story to share. The SME Stories Podcast is looking for entrepreneurs to share their tales of success, failure, and everything. If you're interested in being a guest on our show or know someone would be a great fit, please contact us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. That's northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. Email marketing and subcontracting with, I think that's something no one nearly thinks about is actually subcontracting. They're thinking of, I got to jump into this new thing or like a specific space, but actually finding a way to sell yourself that you can become a subcontractor to a firm. Yeah that something you want to aspire to is a great idea because you're going to get a lot of feedback and that's how you're going to keep up on top of things. So excellent. And you'll get to learn what you like and don't like and, you know. All right. So how do you, well, I think we know the answer to this one where the question is, how do you educate yourself and stay on top of the industry? Now, I think you said courses is, what would you recommend for other new ones, whether it's, you know, website subscriptions they go to, maybe magazines or like you said, or maybe more courses. Mm -hmm. I think I think it's going to a variety of sources. I think it's not limiting yourself. Um, for example, I belong to um, a community where part of that is regular uh, learning opportunities. So doing that, um, finding finding people like business buddies, but who are above you, like who are doing better than you, and just having that kind of mentorship is huge because um, you can you know, learn from them that way. And yeah, podcasts, books, anything, just don't stop learning. Yeah. So basically for anyone who wants to know what to do, basically listen to Mel's podcast and the SME stories podcast, and you're just going to be <laughs> totally good. Right. So <laughs> There we go. TBD. So now what make, in your opinion, what makes a good copywriter from an average copywriter? What is it that separates the two? I think it's somebody that's able to to distill ideas into something that's understandable, something that's accessible to the audience, but also takes the person's voice and tone so that there's consistency. So it's not like somebody reads something and then meets the person and there's a big disconnect there. It should be congruent. Interesting. Also, don't use words like congruent. <laughs> don't use words like congruent all right so this one might be contentious and we'll see what you say on this one mel they'll say okay mel i saw that there are these uh ai things that i could do could should i partner with should i use some of those things if i'm not a good writer actually yes actually yes with limitations okay preface that. Um... Okay, so I have tried some of these because I was, you know, concerned I was going to get replaced by a robot. <laughs> and they are good for certain things because there are times when I'm not sure I know what direction to take. 
and I'll use it for that. And sometimes it goes in a completely different direction. And then I know the wrong answer, but it helps me come up with the right answer. Right. So I find it good for that. Um, I find it's good for when they have those rephrase. Sometimes you just need a different word and it can help you with that. Um, where I find the limitations are is that they tend to be repetitive. They tend to be um, very, very, very basic. Right. Where if you're trying to get into something a little bit more technical, like you're still going to want to write at that 10th grade or 10 year old level. That's kind of the marketing standard. Mm -hmm. But I find sometimes they don't dig into a topic enough that as a reader, you're getting value. So it has its place. You need both. Yeah. And it, which would you recommend for? So you're saying it's a good one to use, like you said, if you just want to rephrase something, but you just can't think of the right way to do it. And uh, if you want something very general, but I guess you said limitations are it's that if you want to get really down in the details of certain things, they're not the best ones. So in your opinion, what would be something that can be as a companion or supplement to a new copywriter or content strategist? What, uh, what platform? I like Jasper. Jasper? Yeah, they used to be called Jarvis. And then I think there was something with Marvel. Yep. Um, yeah. But so it's Jasper now. I, I like it. Interesting. But it is, it is that. It's, it's a compliment. Don't think it's going to be the duo end all. Yeah, because I did, I did try one. I did try a little bit of Jasper. I tried a little bit of, I think, called Word Hero or something like that. And uh, the, yeah, I, I agree with you. It, is, it can be repetitive uh, when you're trying to do something, especially if you're picking a very generic topic, right? Because, like, I'm doing, like, blogs and stuff as well. So I'm doing just blogs for my own personal website for, for you know, the podcast and everything. So I'm just doing little things like that. And sometimes, you know, I guess the idea of, I don't know about you, Mel, I hated essay writing in school it drove me up the wall I did. yeah so i'm I, a word nerd i actually loved it oh my god oh sorry <laughs> no that's okay but that, that was the reason why because it just it just took me back to some very bad memories i'm like oh my god i gotta write you know ten thousand word or five page paper this i can't think of stuff like that so I tried using some of these tools and they're actually not that bad for what I need to, because I'm keeping very things very general. I'm not trying to get to super specific things. I'm not doing any specific copywriting things like what you do. That's a totally different level. But for just to put, let's say a monthly blog or something like that, where it's just general thoughts, it's not bad, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting how you can do that. So, all right. Now yeah. there's many ways to copyright. I've heard, I've seen a few, there's like what the PSAs and then there's the AMAs. Yeah. Which one do you use or which can you advise someone if they want to get into it? Should they pick one or the other? Do both? And give a little bit of background on what that is. Yeah. So there are different um, formulas to how you present your information. And it's less of it's less of a one is better than the other as try them all. Like if we make it like exercise. You know, do bicep curls, but also do other, but I actually don't know much about exercise, but you're not going to do one exercise for one muscle group. You're going to do different things. So for example, um, the PAS model that you just said is where you kind of take the problem, which is the P, you agitate it. So you really make your audience feel, oh, this problem's hurting you so bad. And you provide a solution, right? Um, so that's one model. That you can use um, off the top of my head. There's one where it's like before, after. So showing that before and after picture and then a bridge. So how did it start? How is it going? How did you get there? Right. So I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a one over the other. I think it's. Do you lean to one or the other? Now, I'm not trying to give you, not, not trying to get into your secrets, obviously, but just kind of curious. Like, oh, yeah. no, 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 no. I lean into the before after bridge because for me, there's a lot of, um, there's a lot of power in that storytelling and there's a lot of power in a transformation. Like you think of all the movies where somebody started out, you know, a Cinderella story, ranks to riches, like there's a lot of power in that. Um, so I kind of lean towards that. Nice. Good to know. Good to know. All right. So what, uh, what kind of, equipment or what should be the first thing i invest in my business a great laptop a laptop. great laptop because you are going to be spending a lot of time on it so when it's not working yeah yeah 
it drives you nuts. Yeah. Well, you know, and that's the, I did an episode on business continuity planning a couple of weeks ago during that. Did it affect you? The, the Rogers outage, did that affect you? Rogers, yes. So th- that happened to me. And it was so weird because it almost made you want to, and for those those listeners that are not, are not familiar with this, I think back in July of this year, I guess Rogers, because I think for, in Canada, it's usually Bell or Rogers. Those are the two big mm-hmm. telecom companies for like home phone, internet, regular phone, whatever. So I, well, I, I think myself and Mel were part of the Rogers account and Rogers outage went down. Now it didn't just affect home internet. It affected your your cell phones. Yeah, everything. So it's funny because we're, we forget how much we're attached to these little things here, right? When you cannot call anybody to let them know what you are, where you are, how things are going, it totally threw you through. I thought there was a blackout for a second. I'm like, nope, no blackout, no internet, no phone. I'm like, so the only way my wife, Mrs. K, can know that I'm fine is either she just shows up to the house. That's pretty much when she comes back from work. Because I can't, you can't call. My mom has actually a, a landline. So I guess one of the solutions I joked with people saying is either one, maybe invest in a landline, get the mm-hmm. cheapest one that you can, or two, I know it, it's not common practice for a lot of people, but unbundling services. Yeah. So have a Rogers cell phone, but a Bell internet. So if one goes down, you still have something there because you got both. They both go out. You're screwed. Yeah, no, it was eye-opening how debilitating that was. And I even found, I was like, oh, I'll go to our library and hop on their computers. Nope, they're nope. Rogers. No, they're Rogers. <laughs> and the funny thing too, like, do you remember Do you remember in college university when, you know, sometimes you go to like a Starbucks to, you know, do some work? That It was, it was like that with Tim Hortons here in Ajax. All the ones that we were at, there was like a line of people trying to get in just to grab the Wi-Fi from it. And I looked at it, I was yeah. like, my God, university days. I got to get out of here. And, but the only thing that concerned me, though, when that whole thing happened is, one, it affected a lot of transaction processing for, like, debit, some debit, some both debit and credit, and you only do cash because I hate cash. I hate having to hold cash. So you can't do it. Or the second thing that I did not know, which kind of concerns me, was that the 911 service was shut down or was down. I heard about that. That's scary. There is. I'm thinking <laughs> that should be, like, on its own thing that is yeah. well protected that nothing can go wrong with that one so anyways off on a, t- <laughs> on a little tangent there that's okay so a good laptop good that's okay. what we talked about all right last yeah. question here on tips from the pro what is your strategy for dealing with difficult clients Hey you, do you need a voiceover? Well, look no farther. Northway Capital Group has your answer. Commercials and explainer videos, AVR and voicemail, health and wellness, corporate training and e-learning, announcements, documentaries, and biography. Contact us on social media or email us at northwaycapitalgroup at gmail.com. A lot of it is communication. A lot of it is communication. Um, And a lot of it is it's that thing where, you know, you learn from experience, but unfortunately you get the experience. <laughs> I've actually had a lot of wonderful clients. Clients who are listening, you're great. <laughs> but it is it is communication and it is being very clear. And it is the importance of that first that first conversation, especially with something like content. It's having that conversation. You know, there's no such thing as an overnight success, right? Like we're playing the long game together. So don't come back at me if it's like, no, it's been a month and my blogs aren't blowing up. That's normal. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> you know, really, really explaining things clearly in the beginning to not have those misunderstandings and just having a lot of check-ins. Yeah, no, I think it's great points. I think also a thing we can also add to that is also pre-screening your clients. Right. Because I think especially in the beginning, as be, as small business owners, we want to grab as many clients as we can. Right. The opposite. Okay, yeah. The opposite of uh, the Jerry Maguire thing, Tom Cruise's character. We would decide yeah. to be with the bad guy. We want all these clients and all that sort of stuff. But if they're a pain in the butt just to land, can you imagine how pain of what they're going to be while you're working with that relationship? And kind of on that, too, whereas you hear a lot of stuff, you know, niche down, niche down. And it tends to focus on 
more demographics, like industry size of company, whatever, whatever. But I think you kind of want to niche down also on those soft qualities and on those sorts of things. Like I know for myself, I cannot work with people who don't communicate clearly. I've learned that. I can't read your mind and I can't handle trying, right? So understanding those qualities, niche down in that way and try and discern if you've got that too. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great, great tip to really understand because the last thing you want is when you check your phone or your email and it's the email from that one or that client you really don't like working with. No one should want, that should not be the way to do it, right? I mean, in Mel's case, you can just give it to the junior copywriter and let them deal with it. But aside from that, for the most part, you, you got to get there first. You got to get there first. But that's what I'm saying is that you don't, you know, that should not be a part of the business you're in. So I would, that's why I think some few guests would say is try to pre-screen them as much as you can so that if you know they're not a fit, they may be a four or five figure client for you. But if if you just don't mix well, don't really just... End on good terms even before it even starts. Say, you know what? I don't think this is going to work. This is not the right fit. You know, let's shake hands now as, you know, acquaintances as opposed to, you know, wanting to beat each other up, you know, or throwing stuff at the walls because we just can't seem to, you know, get it. Either your or the expectations are, are different from what they're thinking to yeah. what you're thinking, right? So, excellent. All right. It's also, sorry, listening to yourself. That like, if something is telling you during that discovery call, like, ooh, I don't know about this, listen to that. <laughs> yeah. And the worst case scenario is, you know what? Thank you for your interest. But you know what? Unfortunately, I cannot take another client at this point. I can find yeah. someone else who can do that for you. And then do, mm-hmm. that's another way to pass off. So I guess also too, partnering or having a good network of people who offer the same kind of service, right? Because like I said, I used to be in the fitness industry and I knew some trainers that were so secretive of their stuff that they didn't want to share with anybody. I'm like, you can physically only train somebody. We can only take on so many clients on a day. Why, why do you have to be so yeah. secretive? Right. So just help everybody. Right. Network. Collaboration. Over Collaboration yeah. Put that on a t-shirt. I like that. Now it's time for the rapid fire round. So excellent. We'll do it. We'll do some more lighthearted questions here. So, all right. I think we're going to try and do the uh, rapid fire round now. So this is going to be some interesting. Actually, okay. short answer. Short answer. Actually, so maybe before the one more question before the rapid fire round. How do you balance? Well, how does your work life balancing act work? Because you can see for a lot of business owners, they start <laughs> off they're working crazy hours. Mm-hmm. How do you do it, Mel? Where you can kind of balance everything together? I'm very fortunate that my husband is very supportive but also will call me because I when I dive into something I can get really into it and I can kind of ignore that other people exist and he's very good about being like put your laptop down come on now go for a walk he's having that somebody to keep me kind of um but when he's not around I use a pomodoro timer where it'll do so many batches of time and then it tells you to take a break Wow. Because yeah, I can get really deep into them. And you listen to that and you listen to this timer though, right? So you have I listen to listen to the yeah. I always think that's always very hard most because most <laughs> actually <laughs> a little bit. All right, no problem. Okay, so now we'll get to the well now we'll get to the rapid fire round. These are the fun questions here. Okay. All right, question number one. What would your fifteen year old self be thinking you'd be doing right now? Not this much fun. Not this much fun. My eight-year-old would be so happy with how this turned out. Really? I guess my 15-year-old self is really pessimistic. (laughs) (laughs) No, I I wake up every day grateful for how my life is. And you knew this from a young age, too. That's that's good to hear. Excellent. All right. Next question here. I love food. If there is a sandwich named after you, what's in it and what would it be called? That was named after me. Um, let's call it the Mel. Let's, put some let's, ego let's into call it. it the Mel. Okay, what's in it? Pastrami, salami, a little bit of ham. <laughs> no condiments? No. Really? A little bit of mayo. A little bit. A little bit. All about the meat in that. What kind of bread? What kind <laughs> of bread? <sighs> Brioche. 
Can't go wrong with brioche. I love, you know, what? it's funny. I sometimes I, I reuse those. Oh, gosh, <laughs> I've used I've re, I've reused this question to a lot of guests, and you know the funniest ones, aside from the ones that you have, are the ones where I have like I've had caterers, I've had chefs, I've had other ones. They get super technical and they really pontificate during the middle of the episode just to be like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, wow. All right. Not just a sandwich. It's not just a sandwich to them. It's it's like, you know, it's an expression. It's like an art piece to them. But, uh, okay. Next question. Which word or phrase do you most overuse? That I most overuse? Right. I end most of my sentences with that. Have fun editing. Uh, Where I'll make the statement and then be like, right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. I don't do it in writing, but just in speaking. No, same with you know. I think I've only said it maybe three times during this episode of you know, and that that's what I think. And then when I look at the transcript of the episode, I'm like, <laughs> way more than I expected. <laughs> All right, what is something that most people are obsessed with that you don't get? Stranger Things. Hmm. Uh, I can't get into it. I can't. I I hear it is very hyped up, but I'm just like meh. Yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not that, that. I don't disagree with you on that thing. I haven't watched Stranger Things. It's on my to watch list. With so much content that we can watch nowadays, it's right. We have no time to but watch it. My entire group is peer pressuring me into watching it, and I don't know if it's me just being defiant, but I'm like, no, I don't want to. <laughs> well, well, I know why my wife, Miss K, doesn't want to watch it because it's obviously a bit. It can be a bit scary at times, and she's like, she's also made to me. She's always made to. Me, I always say that. Um, Every couple, there's always like a rite of passage. You know, the I, I call these things, you know, one of it, you know, going to your first movie together, going to a first dinner together, whatever. And one of the things, a caveat to that is watching your first scary movie together. Now, she's that we've been together since 2004. She said, when we thought, when I thought about, hey, let's watch, you know, one of these scary movies, like, unless you want to stay up with me for the next <laughs> two and a half weeks with the lights on while I go to the bathroom. Then let yes, then let's watch a scary movie, right? And I'm like, okay, maybe we don't do the scary movie because I do, I, yeah. I do enjoy to sleep, and I don't want to have the lights on all the time. So, all right, good to know. I was also going to say not just Stranger Things. I was going to say The Office, and I like Steve, I like I like Steve Carell, but the the American version. We tried, my wife and I, we tried watching it. Maybe it's because it was the first season. I didn't find it particularly funny. Uh. And no, you got to get past the first season. That's what people are telling me. Like, get yeah. past. It's like Game of Thrones. They say, like, if you watch the first, I don't know, two or three episodes, then you kind of get into it. Because a lot of the, I guess for a lot of shows, I know this is not a TV show podcast, but hell, who cares? But you, they go through the first few episodes of a series. It's more like character introduction. You're kind of just trying to understand who these characters are and what they what their quirks are. And then... Once they start mixing all together, that's when you're supposed to find all the good stuff. But yeah, I was going to say that and also Wordle. I still don't know Wordle. Oh, well, occupational hazard. I like yeah. Wordle. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. All right. Now, this is this one. I, I've asked this to a few marketing people and they it drove them nuts trying to answer this question. All right. Would you rather go 30 days without your phone or an entire life without dessert? No, without my phone. I love my desserts. Yeah, my last guest. <laughs> Funny thing is, you said you talk about the intern, Brian. One of my guests, Brian, he's actually a digital marketing firm. He is like, Ken, you're evil. You're an evil man because he love. he's a digital marketing guy. His phone, he has to live off his phone, but he also loves yeah. the treats as well. So you would say, and I tried to make it easier for him too. I said, I said phone, but if you communicate via tablet or laptop, yeah. you can still do it. <laughs> But he still called me. He still called me the devil. But aside from- I find myself like holding a chocolate bar, trying to scroll it or something. Like I feel like I would. <laughs> I <know. laughs> All right. What's your favorite dessert, though? You said you would go. You wouldn't go without dessert. What's your favorite? Oh gosh, how can I choose? I actually got into these things recently. It's called boxed and bougie, and they're these little cakes in a jar. They're so good. Where do you get them? They're so good. It's this woman, Fran Murray. I'm pitching everybody else today. Uh, <laughs> but no, she does. Um, so it's GTA, Greater Toronto area. I don't know your audience. But anyways, 
it's this idea of just like celebrating yourself and getting these boxed and bougie little cake things and having a moment. And so they freeze well. So I buy a bunch of them, like a bigger box. And then like, for example, I think our house sold. So we're going to, you know, crack one open today. And she's buying a few boxes, ladies and gentlemen. She's buying a few boxes. Just letting me know. Yeah. But okay. They're really, they're excellent. Excellent. Yeah. And they're, and they're affordably, they're, they're not too crazy expensive. They're actually very affordable, right? You get value for what you're paying. It's not like I could also buy like Oreos for much cheaper and would definitely demolish those. But <laughs> well, just, have you seen those cakes in a, in a vending machine thing? I don't know. I've, I've seen them in some malls. I forgot what they're called, but they're like these $10 cake slices you can literally order from a machine. Oh, yeah. Good? Apparently they're good. I think I've seen some like red velvet cake. It's, it's actually like an actual slice you would get from a restaurant. So it's not like it's okay. a... Actually, I've never bought it, but I've seen some of my friends post it on their social media that I'm like, and I've seen it in the mall, maybe in Yorkdale or maybe Vaughn Mills or something like that, where you see it, you're like, oh, you can buy a a slice of cake for like 10 bucks from a machine. I'm like, I think they replace it every day, though. So it's not like uh, something. I was going to say, I have questions about like the preservatives and the like shelf life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's how my wife. No, go ahead. Finish Union your Station in Toronto has this really amazing Japanese cheesecake place that's also very good anytime I go downtown. You, you know what my daughter's into now? Twinkies. Mm. Shut up. Seriously. <laughs> Twinkies. And I used to love Twinkies when I was a kid, but I don't eat it very much nowadays. And that's all she yeah. wanted for her birthday. Just Twinkies. <laughs> She's 10. So, that's you know, cute. and, you know, I think I had a, a box. I think I bought some Twinkies. And uh, yeah, I don't see an expiry date on them. So I guess that's that kind of tells you what they put in it. So you're like, oh, yeah, that's I don't pull that thread because I'm terrified to find out the end of it. Well, you know, I'll tell you I'll tell you what a douche move I did when I used to work at a fitness company uh, as my last job before I got a job at the bank. I was a team leader and uh, I just had, came up with this tradition. Uh, it was called Timbit Fridays. So every it would always be on a pay week. So on a pay yeah. Friday, I would buy like 40, a pack of 40 Timbits, 50 Timbits. I bring it to the office and I'm like, hey, everybody, Timbit Fridays. So people loved it. Mm-hmm. They would come by, they would get it. But me being a, I guess, funny guy, decided to put the nutritional information right next to the Timbit box. Uh, so then they would, no one needs- and then they're looking at the, they're looking at the, tim, the information, they're looking at the Timbit, they're like, and then they're adjusting their choice based on what the how much calories are in. So, <laughs> well, then when I left, I think my boss at the time said, "Okay, Ken, I'm going to change it up. We're going to do, you know, vegetable Friday." I'm like, "If you want no one to follow you, absolutely do that." So, I don't know if she actually did it, but uh, all right. Last question here on the rapid fire round. Now, I always ask this to all my guests: What is your theme song and why? So you're walking down the sidewalk, that music hits. Mel's coming. What song is that? Well, it's not, that is such a hard question. Is it like my favorite pump out song? I leave it open for a reason. I don't, I don't, I try to get too specific with a lot of things because then you'll get like these really short answers. I want to hear your thought process, how it works. So randomly, randomly enough, I'm thinking pump up songs. So like before, like before I did this and before I had like client discovery calls, Murder, She Wrote. The theme? The reggae song? Oh. (laughs) The reggae song. Yeah, that's my pop-up song. I really thought that she was talking about Angela Lansbury and the murder she wrote theme song from the 70s and the 80s. It's a little old lady who solves mysteries. I'm thinking, that's Mel's pump-up song? No, 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 no. Weirdly, the reggae. (laughs) That's great because... Like I said, I've had very weird. I got all the weird. I got all the different songs. I had one guest that said, "You know, you are my sunshine." I thought that's cute. And then another one had a WWE wrestling theme as their theme song. I'm like, I love hearing all these different things. It's great. So, any other final advice that you can give to the aspiring business owner? Just write. Just write. Don't overthink it. Yeah. Don't overthink it. Excellent. That's Just- a good one. Hit publish, you know. Hit publish, great. So where can people reach out to you and where can they find you? So Instagram, it's at Mel the Word Nerd and there's dots in between the words. 
Um, so that's the best place to find me or my website is tripodcoffee.com. All right. Well, it was great to have you, Mal. Thanks for being on. Thank you so much. All right. That was our interview with Melanie from Tripod Business Services. And I thought it was a really great episode. It was obviously a very fun episode to record as well. So I think a couple of nuggets that I took from this one is one, never stop learning. Now, I know that's a generic phrase that we've said in a few episodes, but I like how you can really think about it as you don't have to, when you say all, you know, that doesn't mean you have to invest hundreds and thousands of dollars in courses. I mean, that that is something you can do. But if it's something like whether it's reading online articles, you know, reading some blogs or some people you follow, just knowing what they're what experts in your industry are doing, that's something which you can do. Maybe going in through some industry reports or something like that. But stuff that that's what we're talking about. We're not talking like like you said, going to all these different courses and spending all this money. You don't have to do that just to stay on top of what you're currently doing for your business. So that's one big thing I think people need to realize. I think the second one, what I really enjoyed uh, Melanie was recommending is instead of, uh, instead of actually just trying to be the, the firm that tries to land all these clients is to actually maybe partner with some. So collaboration is something that not a lot of um, businesses want to talk about, right? Cause I think, especially as, a, as an owner, we want to kind of do it all uh, going after our own clients and we manage all the clients and we get all the work from that, which is great. But maybe sometimes, especially in the beginning phases, finding some places that, uh, like in this case for copywriting services, working with different marketing agencies and being a subcontractor to them. And that can take that as as a thing that you can do to start getting some reps in, getting some you know professional experience in, or maybe even getting referrals because that might be one easy thing. So you can still do both, right? So you can still focus on trying to land your own clients for your own business. But if you're doing subcontracting work for other firms, other agencies, then you're, you're, that you're getting two sources coming from it right there versus just all of it under one. So I think those are two great points that I think that we got in this episode. So, all right, guys, that's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed listening like I enjoyed recording and we'll see you on the next one.